Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bridge, a Star Trek multiverse podcast. As always, I'm your host, Adam, and with me is my co-host, Andrew. Andrew, how's it going? Great, great as always. Happy to talk about Star Trek. Indeed. And tonight, in terms of uh, Star Trek, we're going to be getting into Season 2 of Lower Decks, specifically the first two episodes um, that have aired. Uh, There's not really any news to speak of, although maybe it's worth mentioning Gene Roddenberry's 100th birthday, I think it was. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Last last week, so uh, that's worth mentioning, so, uh, uh, you know... uh, yeah, I, I noticed that a lot of celebrities, not even even beyond Star Trek, but uh, I think start the uh, the Roddenberry family and the Roddenberry family. I don't know if it's a foundation, but their efforts um, incorporated a lot of celebrities yeah. to like voice about the optimism and what that uh, what that means on social media. I, mean, I think even NASA got into it and had panels and and mm-hmm. little formal uh, honorings. So. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was good to see. So definitely, yeah, it's worth mentioning uh, the legacy that he uh, certainly left is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And th- there's not too many uh, properties or uh, franchises that, that last that long and have uh, that much of an impact. Uh, on on uh, society uh, as Star Trek has, so uh, you got to give all the all the credit in the world to Gene Roddenberry for coming up uh, with the idea, the concept, and uh, certainly uh, for the initial phase of this run, uh, being the creative force behind it. So definitely uh, shout out there. Um, but in terms of uh, modern day Trek, uh, let's get right into Lower Decks, season two, episode one. So, uh, Andrew, give us a little bit of a breakdown on what what went down in this first episode. Sure. So the season premiere was Strange Energies, um, and we uh, start off a couple months after. Uh, the events of the season finale, no small parts. So Boimler is still off on the Titan, um, mm-hmm. but we're following, it, we go from uh, just how Mariner is uh, exercising her energy and frustration out to a second contact mission on Apergos. So just, you know, an alien of the week um, where uh, Mariner and her mother's kind of uh, peace that they came to in the season finale is, uh, it turns out a bit more strained, and that strain is uh, leaking over into Commander Ransom. Uh, and when Commander Ransom encounters some alien technology that gives him godlike powers, uh, all of everybody's feelings uh, uh, come out. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a cool, a very very clear reference to uh, uh, Gary Mitchell uh, in the original series. Indeed. Um, yeah, and then and then just in the last few moments, we get like a, a snippet of Boimler over on the Titan, but it wasn't really a huge plot point by any means. And then right. I guess our B plot for the episode is that Rutherford is 
uh, back up and successfully running, so to speak. And Tendi is a bit um, displeased over a few changes in his social life, so to speak. Yeah, no, it's... You'd, you'd expect the tension between uh, the, the mother and daughter pair to escalate, especially because, you know, uh, we've got more responsibility mm-hmm. than last season in terms of uh, Mariner, right? Yeah, well, well, I'm for one glad that they kind of well, I don't know if I'm glad or not, but the fact that they kind of nipped the uh, that that it was kind of too close, it was kind of too clean a, a solution in the uh, season finale, and and now these two who have always been at at, uh, at odds are going to work together perfectly, like that kind of defeats the the fun of the dynamic. So yeah, I I get why they they kind of set it back to normal so quickly but right. some sometimes that can come off as like not an ideal plot device no i i, I like i said it's it it makes sense it's not like it was just reset mm-hmm. out of thin air you know there was a method to the madness and it makes sense that given her responsibility even more closeness with her mother that would bring back a lot of the old, you know, issues and and cause the strain to reappear. So, uh, so yeah, I thought it made sense. Yeah, I don't think it was a step backwards per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I didn't mind it at all. Um, and then, in terms of our main plot point, you mentioned it was it was you know a reference to uh, Gary Mitchell in the original series. Absolutely. Hundred uh, percent. I thought it absolutely worked, and it's something that you could definitely see, you know, happening in in, in track because you know we, we saw something similar as you as you alluded to. So, but right away when I when as it was unfolding, that's exactly what I, I thought of. So you made a good call uh, in that respect. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I. Uh, and I dug how uh, Mariner and the, like the solution to the actual problem was pretty humorous. Yeah, just like the uh, I think yeah, Doctor Taana was inter- uh, kind of interesting in this episode as she was actually more well. So I guess even though most of the show is kind of focused on the lower deckers, like the uh, yeah. the the sure. lower ranking, obviously main characters. This episode let the kind of bridge crew be the a lot of the plot, the, sure. and we've done we've done that before. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Commander Ransom was a a major central component, while still be kind of being the antagonist. Um, yeah, the, but but um, in in the context of in the universe. I think Mariner actually referenced, like, do you know who Gary Mitchell is in the very first episode when she was uh, saying to Boimler about all the things she could teach him. So it's it's like entered the history books as like things Starfleet, 
academy students are taught like the incidents of Gary Mitchell and and stuff like that but at the same time so you know Dr. Ta'ana and Mariner and now Boimler are familiar with it but even Captain Freeman was asking so wait how did they solve the problem of Gary Mitchell a hundred years ago yeah I know I, I like that that you know uh, classic Trek is now history, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for for these uh, for these uh, these cast members, and uh, it, it just even though it's an animated series, it makes it feel part of the overall. Where I think if those kind of references weren't there, in my mind there'd be kind of a, a disconnect because you know. Animation sometimes is is like when you're watching an animated series or, or film that's based off a of live action property or what have you. It can get you can feel that disconnect if there there aren't these kind of references. So I like that they're there because it, it makes it, it's almost as if you forget that you're watching an animated series. Oftentimes I do. I don't know about oh, you. Oh yeah, yeah. I would agree with that i think it's just like i have mentally categorized it as just another yeah another element of the star trek family right. and the star trek universe which is one of the reasons I, I want them to be kind of careful about how blatant the like there's a very a very good balance of how you can have blatant references to past episodes without being like pouring it on too heavy that right. it's like not realistic that it's part of the universe so right, right, right. yeah um i mean i think here it makes sense like in the first season envoys made sense there were tons of references to past species but they all made sense within the episode um veritas had a bunch of references to things it all made sense in the episode um similar there's a lot of references in the next episode too so i think as long as they as long as it they they use the references to tell a good story and have some fun with it. I think that's the the best right. balance. Right, um, I absolutely hundred percent agree. Uh, and so far, they've they've found that line and stuck to it quite well. Yeah, I thought the uh, episode overall was really um, it was okay. It was good. It was uh, there was a good balance of references. It told a good story. I it's just I I. Wouldn't say it was my favorite episode of the series overall, oh, but sure, we'll get we'll not. get to that. <laughs> and I like the fact that you know they're allu- alluding to the fact that you know they miss Boimler, but he's probably having the time of his life. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually see him at the end, that's not exactly the case. But right. that kind of dovetails into our second episode. So, unless there's anything else that you want to bring up, do you want to go ahead and rate this? Sure. Well, sure. Just one other thing yeah. I would mention is that sure. I would say my my favorite part of it of the episode was probably the first couple of minutes on the holodeck. The uh, oh yeah, that was great. Mariner's yeah. escape from the Cardassian prison detention yes. center because I just think that was a lot of fun little references. They had things like ships. Uh, I I think um, uh, McMahon series uh, lead right. Mike McMahon's favorite ship has always been the Reliance. So they found a way, if I remember correctly, that uh, his favorite ship is the Reliance. So they found a way to get the Reliance into Lower Decks in a way that 
really made it uh, come off beautifully. And the episode overall, um, I think the second season has really good art. Like the quality of the art and the animation has has stepped it up quite a bit. And I did did I didn't not like the art in the first season. So uh, uh, very exciting to see it get. No, but if you, I, I get what you're saying because it feels like they've hit a like a a stride and they're getting comfortable mm-hmm. with what they're drawing and what they're animating. So with comfort and familiarity, you know, brings about better work, right? Mm-hmm. So I I would agree with that with your statement there for sure. Uh, and you're um, right; that, that sequence was pretty great. Uh, yeah. There were even, in terms of cool background observations, there were, so what, there was, like, uh, runabouts from Deep Space Nine in the escape sequence. Mm-hmm. There was a, a ship, I think it was a Romulan ship from one of the video games, either yes. a Romulan or a Klingon ship from one of the video games. Um, and then there were a whole bunch of Delta Flyer-esque shuttles, uh, which I, I just wonder, you know, the people who were designing that sequence they're like picking out their favorite ships and finding a way to include that so someone somewhere was like i'm gonna reference this uh ship from a video game that absolutely nobody has uh really thought about in 20 years and someone else is like well my favorite ship was the delta flyer so we're gonna throw a bunch of those in there too and so i just think to be able to to create the background stuff of star trek would be a fun dream job oh Um, absolutely (laughs) so to that end I give this episode a 6.5 um, because even it was okay. It was good enough, um, but it was pro- not one of my favorite episodes of the series overall. Right. Uh, I'll give it a 7. I'll go a little bit higher. Uh, just because uh, like I, I like the fact that you know they brought us right into the, into the new status quo. Uh, there wasn't a lot of, you know, exposition to catch us up. Uh, that action sequence you, you, were, you, were, you were speaking of uh, was great. And, and all the callbacks, you know, artistically that, that we saw was cool. Um, again, the relationship between mother and daughter and the regret, the kind of, Set back its its experience made sense, and it wasn't just well, plot convenience. We need these two to argue because that's what we, that's what pushed our, our first season. You know, it, it was very well well done, um, and uh, the fact that again they, they they struck that delicate balance of making nods to the past series to entrench yourself in continuity without going overboard and wigging at the audience and and things like that. Mm. It was on point. So yeah, seven for me. All right. right. And that takes us over to, yeah, episode two, Kayshawn, his eyes open. Uh, In this episode, um, the Cerritos is... Uh, assisting with cataloging a collector's ships, all of, you know, TNG's the most toys, um, a collector's ship uh, of a bunch of references and callbacks, um, and uh, Mariner and another ensign who's sort of filling in for Boimler's role in the lower decks 
um, jet manhaver, uh, Tendi and Rutherford have to kind of survive when this ship starts to attack them. Uh, meanwhile, over on the Titan, we get to see a bit more of what's uh, life on the Titan is like fighting the Packleds. And it's basically an action adventure movie. It's like the first contact and insurrection. Um, and Boimler doesn't quite fit into that action narrative. Uh, and uh, long story short, because spoilers, of course, um, he has to, uh, after having emotionally kind of separated from the Titan, he literally gets separated and part of him truly does return back to the Cerritos. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, we'll get more into it as we discuss. Um, what I liked about this one, if the first episode could call back to or feel like an original series episode as we discussed, the second episode feels li- like it's in step with uh, Next Gen, as you kind of mm-hmm. mentioned. Oh yeah, there were a lot more, uh, a lot of Next Generation references, um, kind of more directly and more subtle even. And I, and I like that this show can sort of, it's found a space where it can really, you know, insert itself into a type of episode fitting a different Star Trek series when the need arises, or, or it seemingly mm-hmm. can do that. And I kind of dig that. Uh, it seems like that's an easier thing to do in animation mm-hmm. than it would be in live action. So that could be one of the, the, the benefits of animation. Although they did it well in... Uh, was the one where... Uh, was it Cisco and crew where they go back to a TNG episode? Oh, uh, you mean um, Trials and Tribulations when they go back to the original series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, a very well done uh, uh, kind of similar idea kind of well I, that was more literal than this but you know yeah, that, was, that was pretty literal uh yeah. and i think that was for i think like the 30th anniversary of star trek like the 30th anniversary of star trek or 25th or some yeah i think you're right it was one of those two anniversaries for sure yeah um and then for me what i really kind of enjoyed was um you see boimler struggling to adapt and mm-hmm. kind of like you could see that he misses the pace and the and the and the the objective of you know his old his old job and his old crew uh, and his, his previous situation uh, and there's that point in the episode where he calls out the fact that I think he even says what you said it's like an action adventure movie every week <laughs> and that seems like a a meta reference to because I know. There's a segment of the fandom that always complains that new Star Trek series feel more like an action movie or, or a Star Trek movie or a Star Wars movie uh, because they're more action oriented than than you know than quote unquote classic Trek. Yeah, so I wonder like if that was action like, for action's sake. Yeah, and so I wonder if that were, was like uh, McMahon and the creators saying, well. Let's use that complaint to our advantage, kind of thing, mm. or let's make reference to that. We hear those complaints, whether they agree or not. But, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I think it was a, a, a brilliant uh, storytelling because you're you get to make that commentary on the meth, like the structure of Star Trek storytelling, but you yeah. also um, get to make kind of the larger commentary of 
you know, Star Trek, Starfleet is about exploration and about discovery and, you know, personal exploration and uh, being better people and boldly going. Um, So in that way, Boimler kind of represented the best of Starfleet in, you know, the middle of a comedy type situation. So I think that was a a multi-layered, a very, a very cool storytelling approach. Um, Yeah. And overall, I really like, and I think we, mentioned this at the start of last season at some point when right when the sh- series started about how uh lower decks is not it's not a parody of star trek so um you know the strange energies was not a parody of where no man has gone before this episode was not a parody of uh the most toys but it kind of referenced that those other episodes stories and those story styles without rehashing the story and telling a different story right it's while, while doing so while being entertaining so yeah I, it's a homage but, is brilliant but, but i think it's like a, a homage but but also doing your own thing with that mm-hmm. general idea you know right what I mean? they're not just rehashing the same story because i i mean i love voyager but there were times on voyager and enterprise where i think the even the writers felt, oh, no, we can't do that. It's telling the same story that we told right. on. Like, Next Generation already did that, or Deep Space Nine already did that. Um, yeah. So for, for yeah. them to, I, I think they just have a, a brilliant new writing team that is able to reference those episodes in a way that if you're familiar with them, they're entertaining on this level. Right. Someone who's never seen the most toys will still find a lot of the references to it hugely entertaining and still appreciate the story so that takes a very very clever smart writer so kudos to to the writers of lower decks and you know again you know what was cool about it was that you know to um when boimler figures out a solution you know a way out of out of the trouble they're in he basically uses, you know, something we saw Riker do way back mm-hmm. when to, 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 you know, to solve the problem. And I think it's, again, a clever way of... It, yeah, they, they're able to reference these episodes, like right. pull kind of like elements of the plot out to support this plot without feeling like a plot right. like yeah. like like it's like a trick or in some way like well that's a cop out it but, is but, like it's a, a an uh, uh uh it adds to the entertainment i think and even yeah. someone who so again because you know spoiler warning but you're of course referencing um what is the next generation episode with thomas yeah, I, right I, I lost the title of it second Second something. Can't. Yeah, well, I think they even mentioned it in the episode. Like, there's a throwaway line reference. Damn it, I can't remember the episode. Right. Yeah. Second uh, chances is when. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, Riker. We find out that way back when Riker had been transporter duplicated, and here, while referencing that, uh, Boimler transporter duplicates himself, allowing uh, someone to, you know, one of him to stay on the Titan and one of him. Yeah. to come back to the uh, Cerritos. So I am 100% sure that we will be uh, 
seeing the Titan Boimler duplicate again before before long, now that we've got another I wouldn't call him evil, but like you know, a a twin. A more, out there a more ongoing uh, um, free of inhibitions. Yeah. It it certainly introduces a lot of opportunities to tell those evil twin stories because sure, yeah. that's another um that's another kind of recurring but, theme. But, but the point I was used. trying to make about that scenario was that it shows what a student of Starfleet Boimler actually is. Mm-hmm. To, for him to be able to call, you know, call to mind that situation is pretty impressive. So it shows his intelligence. Oh, I, yeah. um, I also really liked how um, back on the Cerritos, you see that um, Mariner, as much as she pretends and protests she really does miss Boimler because of the amount of mm-hmm. you know times she mentions him or references him mm-hmm. uh, so you really see the the feeling goes both ways on both sides of it from Boimler's perspective and Mariner's which which I, I liked um, seeing and then um, what really made me laugh the most in this episode was near the end when the Boimlers were talking with uh, with Riker. Yeah, and even he mentioned, he's like, oh yeah, I'd much rather be back in the old days, you know, exploring <laughs> than, than, than all this. And, and so it was good. But just that, it seems like they've, on purpose, accentuated Riker's, uh, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? His... Uh, as a leader, like his his command, his his stature, like they've 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 hyped it up a little bit more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Um, Which is comedic. I, it's not it's not I like an say, attitude in a bad way. It's just the way. Right. It's, yeah. Well, I think it was. Uh, I think I read an interview somewhere that uh, Jonathan Frakes does bring a slightly different Riker character to lower decks that it's it's obviously the same character but he's approaching it 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 is a slightly different you know he does he has a uh he's in a different position than we've ever seen him before he finally gets like this is the ship he's always wanted and he gets to have his own ship and he gets to have a little i mean he might as well have a little fun doing it he's finally got his uh dream job even though i think his dream job was unbeknownst to him until it was already happening, but his dream job actually was being first officer sure. on the Enterprise D. Yeah. But um, I, I, I would say a lot of my, most of my favorite elements of the episode were very Titan related. Yes. Um, even though as someone who loves callbacks, the collector ship is obviously filled with callbacks. And I have absolutely been following all of the uh, Twitter explorations of all the Sweet identifying yeah, every yeah, yeah, little yeah thing yeah. in the background and I love to do that and I love everyone on Twitter that does that as well and on um, Memory Alpha um, but I will say this episode had more moments where I laughed out loud than Absolutely. the season premiere <laughs> so um, the line with uh, where Captain Freeman says uh, or, or you know the bridge crew are saying um, isn't this the guy who tried to collect data they all tried to collect data. Couldn't they just leave that data alone? <laughs> I did laugh out. That was 
one of my favorite jokes of the episode. That was very um, funny. And then at the end, the, they're just brilliant. The writers of Lower Decks are brilliant. They're um, with the street corn, which was a completely weird, like I, going into it, I did not know what that was going to be a reference to. Um, and I was like, well, this is a strange scene. But um, the street corn, uh, <laughs> oh, if you see an extra pip on my collar, that's just corn, which is <laughs> referencing how in the show, Ensign Manhaver, we have previously seen his his number of rank pips has gone from like ensign to lieutenant to command commander, which really didn't make sense to be commander. But the number of rank pips has been inconsistent, um, while also making a joke about all of the other characters in Star Trek who where the rank pips have been inconsistent, which is uh, I, I think Miles O'Brien is the most guilty of that. And then Tuvok right. also had some goofy uh, rank issues, but. I think those were both fun references and fun uh, kind of meta jokes for the Star Trek fan. But in terms of kind of visual cues, um, like, again, everybody, there's something on the collector ship for everyone. But the things that really I found the most entertaining were actually on the Titan, that uh, the Titan conference room had some uh like a titan rocket like the phoenix from first contact wrote on it had a titan from one of the rpg old books that again everybody has forgotten but they they turned it into a model of the ship just like the uh enterprise always had golden models of past enterprises in their conference room and they had one of uh a ship that Matt Jeffries had designed that did not end up one of the designs for the Enterprise. So next time you watch the the conference room scene on the Titan, look at the the ships in the background because I thought those were really that was really cool and that was not a as as intentional reference of course as like the giant Spock skeleton or uh, a Kataskot board and the stuff on the collector ship. Oh, it, was, it was great. Um, is there anything else that you want to reference or mention? Um, just one thought that I hope they eventually explain is that where was, what happened to Deanna Troy and these other aliens on the bridge? Because in the season finale, I thought there was a, like there was a Saurian officer. Yeah, you were officer. Right. Um, And in this episode, there was another alien that I don't, I don't think... The show is too consistent for that to be a redesign of the same character. So we've now had like a handful of seemingly important alien bridge officers, including Deanna Troy, who just kind of have not been involved for one reason or another. So um, we'll see if they explain that away or if it's just not explained away. (laughs) We'll have to wait and see. But... uh... to that end, I don't think we've seen. I don't think we've seen the last of Boimler two, and I don't think we've seen the last of the Titan. But I expect that we're probably not gonna. It's not gonna be a weekly adventures. Oh, for sure. Titan. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. Uh, uh, I, I'd agree with you there for sure. I don't think, and you, I don't think you'd want it to be a weekly thing. Otherwise, just make the show about about that. Right. Well, I was wondering what they were going to do once they sent Boimler over to the uh, Titan. That they it had they had to get him back. It's it only makes sense to get him back before long. 
Um, and I wasn't expecting what they actually did, so well done to them as well. Creative, creative uh, way to do it. So indeed. Uh, in terms of, are you ready to rate the I'm episode? Ready, I'm ready to read it. Yeah, let's, let's so do it. I would give this one a seven point five because it was it was better, and I liked it. I still think um, there were the there were elements of the plot that could have been juicier. But I ha- like I said, this episode had more laugh out loud moments, and I appreciate. Um, you know, it's it's hard for a comedy to find that right balance of a, a comedy that's set in a, a real universe, so to speak, to find a balance of you know these jokes have to feel natural, but also they have to churn out at like an accelerated pace to maintain a level of entertainment. So. Agreed. To that end, I give uh, Kayshawn, his eyes open, a 7.5. And I will echo your sentiments and also give it a 7.5. Uh, an improvement over the first episode, mm-hmm. a lot funnier, and uh, and yeah, I can't uh, I can't wait to see where the rest of the season uh, yeah. uh, goes and how it all unfolds. But uh, yeah, I we'll I expect the season will continue to get better and and have some of the best moments of the some oh, of the would, best I, twists I would expect and... nothing less for sure yeah yeah um, i'm excited but uh we will of course continue our uh, uh coverage of the season and we'll probably continue the two episode at a time kind of uh routine that we've that we've, we've we've developed here so stay tuned for that but in the meantime if they want to talk uh, star trek with you andrew where can they where can they track you down on social media Oh, please. I am on Twitter at AJ Hallowell. And that's where I post all of my little background screenshots, squinting and trying to identify things in the background. So Perfect. reach out. Perfect. Uh, if you want to track me down, it's at Adam underscore Leeds fan on Twitter. And the uh, we have the Multiverse Music Facebook page, or sorry, the Twitter handle at MMNPBC. We also have the Facebook page, which is going to be in the description. Uh, Click it. I will add you, and we can continue the conversation there. Uh, But until next time, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we hope that you'll be back next time to talk some more Star Trek Lower Decks. And until next time, uh, stay safe and live long and prosper.